Hey everyone, this is Tom Singer. Before we get started with today's episode, I want to inform you about a special offer that I have to join a brand new group called My Sales Call. If you work for a small business or if you're a solopreneur, having some people to talk about ideas and best practices and to have a focus and accountability around sales is so important. It's so easy to get caught up in the busy work that we don't do what we need to do to drive the sales in our business. So I have started a weekly call where people can get together and share ideas around sales and then make a commitment to the group of what they're going to accomplish for the next week. It's just like if you work for a big company, your sales manager would have a weekly sales call. This is your sales call. Go to mysalescall.com to find out more and sign up today. Welcome to the Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do podcast with your host, Tom Singer. In each episode, we explore the interesting lives of business leaders, entrepreneurs, solopreneurs, and others who have a healthy dose of the entrepreneurial spirit. It is time to explore something cool. Now, here is your host, Tom Singer. Well, hello and welcome to or welcome back to Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do. Thank you so much for pulling your chair up to the cool kids table. I started this show, wow, five and a half years ago, just so that I could have access to really smart people who were doing cool things. Because I know that one thing in the world is always true, and that is success leaves clues. When you get to get up, up close and personal with entrepreneurs who are doing interesting and cool things, they, they can't help it. They have to leave behind an idea, a theory, a, theory, a concept, or a nugget. And uh, that's what these shows are all about. And once a month, the first Thursday of every month, this podcast is co-produced in partnership with the Austin Technology Council. Now, the Austin Technology Council, it is the largest tech industry organization in Central Texas. They empower their members through insights, resources, and amazing connections so that, so that their members can succeed and thrive. And this episode, it's going to be one of those great episodes that people will be referring to all their friends because today ATC has provided me with an amazing guest, Steve Meyer. He is the co-founder, and I love this, Chief Creative Officer for Kung Fu AI. So, Steve, welcome to Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do. Happy to be here. Hey, why don't you tell me a little bit about sort of your background? What did you do before you founded Kung Fu AI? And then tell us about the company. Sure. I have one of those very obvious traditional backgrounds. That's a, a perfect career trajectory to being the chief creative officer of an artificial intelligence services company. <laughs> here it comes. Because uh, I started as a high school history teacher. Of course you did. And it was at the height of the recession where I was in my first year as a high school history teacher and realized at the end of that first year that all non-tenured staff will not be retained to come back the following year <laughs> and had to figure out something else to do. So I was actually in a exchange program in Hamburg, Germany and found out via a Skype call that I'm not coming back the next year. So I had to quickly pivot and realize uh, a new career path. Actually, I still wanted to teach and I noticed Austin, Texas as a thriving tech economy. I actually put myself in school in tech sales. So came out to Austin thinking I'd teach out here, but regardless, just love the scene, love the tech and quickly found out that my credentials didn't carry. And I had to find a place to basically bide my time if I wanted to go back to school to teach in the state of Texas and ended up back in technology. So I spent a brief spell with the Art Institute of Austin, which married my love of education and uh, digital media and technology 
and spent a little bit of time there, but actually got recruited to a digital services agency called Somnio Solutions, which is really where I started to cut my teeth in areas of digital and marketing and strategy. So as I grew up there for close to a decade, I ended up leading a strategy team out there on the services side. So helping clients find digital solutions to a myriad of marketing and IT challenges. Started messing around with IBM Watson in 2015 or so and started finding really interesting creative applications for their APIs and applying them to new creative experiences in the marketing realm and in the IT and sales realm really made a name for ourselves that way. And I was actually approached to start this company that I currently am a co-founder for. And really for the main reason of he needed someone with sales background and marketing background and strategy background and really only wanted one co-founder to oversee all of those things. So that is what I became and what I've been building here at Kung Fu AI. And do you think like the background in history was what he was looking for, right? It was it was totally probably that history degree that maybe you had. Absolutely. <laughs> but hey, being a good student has served me well throughout my career trajectory. So, so I'm not I'm not angry I went that way. So I know you taught history. Is that what you majored in? I did major in history. Yep. And I was uh, in then education. So obviously being trained as a teacher as well. So it was a fun combo. So my daughter uh, had a uh, recently graduated from college uh, from Carnegie Mellon in last May. So coming up on a year and she was a business major and halfway through she realized that she loved history. And so she decided she would minor in history. And in fact, her favorite class in college was the history of business. It was the only class that gave her dual credit for both majors because um, nice. she went to be a history minor and the head of the department said look two more classes than the minor because of some other stuff she had done he goes two more classes will get you a major i'm not gonna let you minor now it meant i had to pay for summer school at one of the <laughs> to, and be able to get just the right amount of units uh at one of the most expensive colleges in the country i had to pay for summer school but she ended up graduating with two degrees uh, business and history and i always told her i said you know i think the history degree is the one that's going to come back to someday uh, be that little thing that sets you apart. I don't know why, but but I always think people who have a strong understanding in history always find a way to succeed. Hey, you got to have a great teacher to fall in love with it. I was fortunate enough to have a bunch of great teachers to help me fall in love with it. But when you really dumb down what I do, I'm an AI teacher now. So I love what I do and I'm still using the educational component. Mm -hmm. But a lot of times it's really about educating people and businesses on the merits of AI and what it all means. So your co-founder came to you because you had this eclectic background, so you could be a single co-founder and wear a lot of hats. Uh, but what really led you to entrepreneurship? I mean, people who go and major in history and education aren't necessarily the people who you'd say, hey, from an early age, this guy wanted to have a have a tech company. <laughs> I must have blown a gasket somewhere along the way because I think you have to be just a little bit, just the right amount, a little bit crazy to be an entrepreneur. Huh. I was fortunate enough to be founded by a bunch of serial entrepreneurs. I call myself a first time offender entrepreneur where they started several successful companies. And this is really my first endeavor. I think I never went out thinking I would be an entrepreneur, but I think I got the bug when I was working at the previous design agency. I was a bit of an entrepreneur where I was able to invent their first really productized service offering, which uh, ended up being a quasi uh, digital paper, like a digital white paper platform hmm. that we were able to sell again and again and again, and really being able to go from whiteboard 
all the way to market and having that type of experience and control and seeing it come to life really inspired me to potentially entertain the idea of starting my own business one way. So it wasn't totally a steep learning curve when I was presented the opportunity, but I felt like, hey, entrepreneurship and artificial intelligence, it's such a space race. It's Mm -hmm. such a rush to San Francisco for gold right now. It's such a new emerging frontier that I felt like if there was ever a big at bat that you want to swing hard for, this is the time and this is the place. So I figured the downside was pretty low and I'd give it a shot. And unfortunately, it was was a pretty good swing. So how long ago was it that you guys founded Kung Fu AI? It was about two and a half years ago. So why the name Kung Fu AI? (laughs) Well, there's, uh, there's the fun story and then there's the boring story, but I'll just give you the real story is um, this, the name predates me, actually. It was before Kung Fu AI was really a concept. It was just a domain. One of the original co-founders, who's no longer with us, was squatting on. Um, as a tech entrepreneur, when you come up with cool URL ideas, you, you, buy, them. you buy them and you sit on them. <laughs> so as, um, as a professional speaker, every time you come up with a speech topic, you buy it. In fact, there's uh, a lot of like uh, people in the National Speakers Association who actually part of their speech to speakers is, stop buying URLs. You have too many of them. Yeah. Yeah. You got it. And they were going through a uh, naming convention as this was just a glimmer and the concept in their eye. And uh, they noticed that they were sitting on Kung Fu.ai and they're saying, well, .ai, that seems to resonate. And Kung Fu is odd, but interesting. Cool. And when they started bouncing off people, they uh, immediately just loved the thought of Kung Fu AI. And the second interesting thing that happened when they were kind of proto beta testing this and just putting it in front of people and saying, what do you think of this name? People would go, Oh, Kung Fu AI. I've heard of you. (laughs) And they're like, well, we don't (laughs) exist as a company yet. So that's, there's something here, something sticky here. And uh, they went ahead and moved forward with it. But what's interesting about Kung Fu AI is most people actually think of Kung Fu as a martial art. And that's a misconception. Kung Fu is actually a verb and a process. So you can quite literally Kung Fu anything through a lot of time and practice and hard work and discipline. And that's the true meaning of Kung Fu is the process of going through all that hard work to achieve something great. So we feel like we're helping people through the process of achieving artificial intelligence by helping them Kung Fu it. Look at that, Steve Meyer. You can't help it. You're still a teacher. Even when you're here on Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do, I did not know that that was the definition of Kung Fu. So, so you're, you walk you're, away with nothing else from this podcast. That's I right. hope you walk away with that. Absolutely. People should be tweeting that, that Kung Fu is not a martial art. It's a process. Hashtag Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do. Hey, uh, now that you've been doing this for two and a half, almost three years, what do you love about the entrepreneurial lifestyle? You know, I love the fact that it is what you make it. And if you don't like something like Subway, you make a bad sandwich. It's your fault. No, (laughs) Um, I love the idea that um, you can be super creative and with a lot of hard work and a lot of focus that you can actually make this exactly what you want it to be. Like any other big company, you kind of walk in and you're a cog in a machine and you kind of do it their way and you do it based on their learnings and their discovery and their process. And, and here you get to you get to learn, you get to discover, you get to make your own process and make what you want of it. So I certainly love the aspect of being able to own my day and control my day and really just kind of control the aspects 
of the business. And if we're seeing something that doesn't work, you can make the decision to try something new. So it's always varied and interesting every single day. And you get to learn so much. And being a teacher, I guess a former teacher anyway, I'm, I feel like I've always been a really good lifelong learner. And I love the fact that you're constantly learning. So, but, you know, having a startup, is a lot of work with crazy, crazy pressures sometimes. And you also have a two and a half year old and a brand new newborn. So is there ever any times where you think, wow, it would be so much easier if I was just working for somebody else? Oh gosh. You know, that, that thought always creeps up in your mind and the timing was horrible when I did it, but you think when is the timing ever good to start a business? Unless you just uh, fell on a windfall of cash or you had a trust there's really never a great time <laughs> I would to like, actually begin a business. I would like to fall on a windfall of cash or have a trust. Yeah. How about that? I, I always no, said, I, I always think... said as a kid, I would have been a great trust fund kid. Cause you know, the reputation of a trust fund kid is they're kind of a jerk. And I always said, I, I would have been a nice guy. I would have been a good trust fund kid. So humble and charitable. You would have, would have awesome. exemplified all the best attributes. I'm sure the best side but... of a trust fund would have been me. Yeah, I think that, you know, I think if you're going to be a good entrepreneur, you have to be motivated beyond just the success. You have to be motivated by the process and the learning. And I think that um, that's really what motivates me is the fact that I get to be a professional learner in the field of artificial intelligence, but not just learn, apply it and and see what works and see what doesn't and work with clients on a given day and hear their challenges and hear what the market's doing. And I really feel like I have a front seat to the future right now. So, um, you know, really love the subject matter. And I think being motivated by the subject matter really helps you through the ups and the downs. That's, that's awesome. Hey, so what advice do you have for someone who's listening to this podcast and they're thinking, you know, I've been working for someone else for a long time and I have this calling to start my own thing, whether it's to start a tech company like like you and the rest of the people in, in Austin Technology Council often do, or whether they want to do something like I do where I just I'm a solo opener. I work for myself. What basic advice do you have for listeners? Yeah, I think that obviously you have to be comfortable with failure, right? So there's a certain uh, in exceptional amount of risk that comes with starting a company, but you have to be okay with that and, and motivated by the fact that it could be successful. And if it's not successful, you're okay with that too. So if you're comfortable with either of those outcomes, I think it really comes down to finding what you're passionate about, finding what you feel like you are good at or could become good at. You don't have to start good at the business that you begin, but you have to be really motivated by the process of getting good. So finally, obviously, finding something that you can sustain and, and make a lot of money off of. Sometimes people just focus on an idea they think they can make a lot of money off of. They're not particularly passionate about the subject, and they may not exactly have the skill set to do it. I think those conditions are probably the most difficult. But if you have the desire and you love what you do and you love the subject matter and you're okay with the ups and the downs, I say, um, go for it. Mm -hmm. you know, there's never a better time now than ever to be a... Uh, entrepreneur, especially in Austin, especially in a lot of places in North America right now, I say go for it. But um, yeah, I mean, if you can make peace with the with the downs and you have those other things going for you, Godspeed. I think it'll be a lot of fun. And and if you're not good at something, my motto has always been give it for away for free until you're good at it and then start charging for it. So if you could do something and just give it away to anybody who can have it and learn from that while you get good, you can really cut down the learning curve of maybe you don't feel totally proficient in a certain area. You know, it's interesting that you say that because uh, I host this podcast and I co-partner with ATC for part of it. And then I also host a show in the uh, uh, 
product lifecycle management software space called the Digital Enterprise Society podcast. And I host it for the Digital Enterprise Society. And another speaker I know who does not have a podcast is like, I don't want to do my own podcast. I just want to get paid to host my podcast for another association. And I said, yeah, I don't think that works. I think it was the fact that I'd done like 400 episodes of this show that they came to me and said, hey, we want to put together a program, you know, where we're doing business advice. Could you please come? We like your personality. We like, you know, that, you know, us because I had been the MC at their conference for several years uh, when they used to do live events under a different name of the association. And, you know, it wouldn't have happened if I hadn't done this podcast for 400 episodes, which was the giving it away for free. Like you said, you know, I now get paid by others to do their shows. Yeah, absolutely. And I think there's a lot of people, if they introspect on how they've acquired a skill as they were becoming entrepreneurs, they could probably attest to the same thing. Yeah. And if uh, people go back and listen to the episode that came out two days ago, I talk about all of this sort of the, the whole crisis around the coronavirus and events being canceled. And this is this is a big deal, not just for speakers. I mean, my friends are losing revenue and having things canceled that they've been planning on for a year. But, you know, I, I feel bad for speakers, but I actually feel worse for other people in the meetings industry. I'm married to a meeting planner. And so, you know, I understand like, oh, my God, if your event had to cancel a week or a month out, how horrible is that on about a thousand levels? But then also for these big events, you know, they cancel them and there's hotel workers who aren't getting work. People will be furloughed. I mean, this has the, the meetings industry has a huge thing. So one of the things I came up with for my clients is we can host a branded podcast for them where I can interview or anybody doesn't have to be me can interview all of the speakers from their conference if they canceled it. And we can turn that into like 50 episodes that they can either drop all at once or they can release once a week for a year to keep having a reason to go out and connect with people. And again, that just comes back from this is a skill that I've picked up over five years of, of hosting this show. And the idea of using a podcast came to me sort of when I woke up in the morning because I have a client who's really stressed out. And I'm like, we can do this without very much expense. And you can, while your event may go away, you can still have the ability to touch people. And I don't know if she'll do it or not, but she was so excited about the concept of being able to do something. And she was praising me for the idea. And I said, yeah, but that that's an accidental idea. If I hadn't been doing this podcast, which like I said, I do for free, I never would have thought of that. Yeah. And you know what, Tom, it's such a great anecdote for another, I think such an essential skill set for an entrepreneur is just creative problem solving or general creativity, being able to take a negative situation or a crisis or a downturn and see an opportunity in it creatively to apply yourself in a new way or reinvent yourself or just connect the dots between two disparate ideas, bringing them together. If you could do that and do that again and again and again, you're going to find your way or fail your way to success every time. Well, and I think that's great advice considering your part of your title is the chief creative officer. So that's I think everybody should listen to what he just said about looking for ways to get creative no matter what the situation is, because I found I've been working for myself for 11 years. You have to reinvent yourself all the time when you're a solopreneur. And if it wasn't for creativity, I'd be starving. 100 percent. So I have a question for you about how important it is to have connections in the world of business, especially for entrepreneurs, but even people working inside companies. So often people think, well, if I do good work, that's all I have to do. And one of the things I teach is good work is just the ticket into the game. Your boss hired you to do good work. But, you know, surprise, you have to do good work. But how important do you think your network is? I mean, obviously, someone recruited you to be their co-founder for people who want to go out and start something. Yeah. So, Big fan of Bob Metcalf. The network effect is real. I think it's very, very important. However, 
I think you can work your way to that. So myself being a first time entrepreneur, being relatively new to Austin, I was living here for about eight years or so, but very much disconnected in the startup community, really in the tech community, aside some of the digital marketing stuff that I was doing. I wouldn't call myself a very connected guy. Now, Conversely, my co-founders who are serial entrepreneurs or are very well connected, I think that starting off where I was basically leading the charge specifically on the biz dev side here, not coming in with a Rolodex or a bunch of connections would be probably viewed by most serial entrepreneurs as a negative. But I think that you can hustle your way through that. And if you find your tribe in your community and you're active in the networking circles and you go to events and you say hi to as many possible people as you can and you really listen to people and you just make friends, you can really get through that issue. So I think that um, I feel like I'm a very connected person now and this is only two years later asking me the exact same question. So um, it didn't take a long time to get to that. It took a little bit of work, but I 100% think that everyone should go through that because the network effect and word of mouth marketing is so, so important to any business, especially getting off the ground. But it's something you can earn. You don't have to just inherit. Right. And it, and it takes time. I, I, I know a young man who's new in his career and he does good work, but he doesn't want to go, you know, maybe with some coworkers and, and go climbing or go have, you know, coffee or a beer or whatever. And I'm my, my advice is, yeah, you kind of have to, because 20 years from now, those may be the people who make you a co-founder or give you the next promotion. And, you know, you don't have to do it all at once, but I think it does take time and you have to start early. I always say that the best time to start networking was 30 years ago. The second time, best time to start doing it is today. Just like planting a tree. That's right. It's an old Chinese proverb. It's not my saying. (laughs) And I think, too, if that puts you a little out of your comfort zone, um, do it. If it's way outside your comfort zone, you're not sunk. Get someone who's really good at that and bring them in super early. Mm -hmm. If you know that's not your skill set, you don't have to completely reinvent yourself if you feel like that's too much of an uphill climb. But find someone who's really good at that and help with that network effect component. Yeah, and I, I think you're right. You don't have to change who you are. You have to stay within your own. You have to be true to yourself when it comes to doing this. But if you're more on that that extroverted side or, or even the, the sort of super extroverted side, which we see a lot in technology, a lot of these mm-hmm. left brain professionals, it's just not their natural way that they go. Everyone can get a little better. You don't have to become, a, you know, me. You don't have to be a person who's out there doing this, you know, as part of your whole life. However, if you can improve it 10%, that handful of people who you build good relationships with could be the people who launch the next phase of your life. And you didn't even know it was coming. Absolutely. Hey, I've got more questions for you. But first, I have to thank the sponsor of this episode. So this episode, it is brought to you by Podfly Productions. Podfly takes the time and the headache out of creating your own podcast. They set you up with the right equipment, training, and guidance to ensure that you're going to sound amazing. Podfly does all the heavy lifting and the pesky technical work so that you can focus on creating great content, growing your audience, and interviewing really cool people like Steve Meyer. Hey, if you want to start a podcast, and I know that some of you do, jump over to podfly.net slash cool things and check out the offer that they have for the listeners of this podcast. Hey, Steve, I call the podcast Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do. What is the coolest thing you guys are doing at Kung Fu AI right now? 
I think some of the coolest things we are doing are from some people's perspective seems so mundane because we really focus on this idea of practical AI or AI that has really nice measurable return. And I think there's beauty in the mundane where we're helping businesses all the way from building an artificial intelligence strategy. So really identifying what use cases make sense to our business that could produce a return or measurable benefit to the business. And those things aren't often this big revolutionary Skynet general intelligence world changing thing there's sometimes very basic things like how do I better understand my customer? How do I better predict who would be the best buyer of my product? What will sales look like next month, next quarter, next year? Or how can I automate a lot of the basic things that eat up many of my employees time on a day to day basis? How do we automate a lot of those activities so I can free them up to more interesting work? So we are working all across the board, not just strategy, not just building solutions, but actually helping businesses become AI businesses by helping them transform the same way they transformed in the early 90s around the internet. They didn't have CIOs in 1979 because Mm -hmm. the internet wasn't really a thing. And now we have deep IT departments. So we're going to see a similar transformation in artificial intelligence. It's really helping businesses do that brick by brick. And I think that's really exciting because I think it's really helping them prepare for a future where this becomes such an important technology, much like the internet. So I know that we're still on the early side of it. So what are, what are the things that the layman doesn't see coming that's about to happen in business? Well, I think that right now, it's not so much about the capability is trying to convince businesses that they need to be collecting data and they should see data as a corporate asset, much like anything else that would be identified as a corporate asset. All businesses, um, you know, once upon a time, it might have been Peter Thiel or someone saying, you know, we're all in the tech business now, regardless of industry. Well, I would uh, edit that and say we're all in the data business now. So I think it's really about helping businesses first identify that they're in the data business and they need to be collecting data as a corporate asset. And then data becomes their differentiator. We could do the same AI thing for two businesses and one will do it more successfully, even if they're competitors, because one of them have differentiated data, not differentiated capability. So it's really about them being able to see that component first. And then beyond that, being able to understand that AI is a great tool for prediction and it's a great tool for automation of business processes. So if they can kind of keep their sights on those three things, data, what do we want to predict or what do we want to automate? I think they're going to have their minds right when it comes to thinking about artificial intelligence the right way. So one of the last questions I ask everybody who comes on the show is I love to know who you think is a cool entrepreneur or someone who's doing cool things. Because here's the deal. We could talk about Steve. We could talk about Kung Fu AI all day long because you guys are a really interesting company. However, I think the best entrepreneurs, I think they're observers. So I love to get the thoughts of people who come on the show about who do you think? Wow, she or he, they're cool. (laughs) Gosh, there is so many. How do you pick just one? I think that um, HO, who's the uh, makeout, which is the former CEO of Umble, another serial entrepreneur here in town, is starting a company called Pelosa, which is really they're thinking about uh, data in really new and interesting ways and really getting through a lot of the issues of being able to not only have enough data, but be able to triage through all that data to find interesting insights. So um, his company, I think, is incredibly exciting and has some really interesting long-term implications on the future of not only um, you know data and data technology, but of course, 
artificial intelligence. So I'm really excited about um, what they're doing. And, and honestly, there is uh, a lot of those companies just coming out of Capital Factory. We were formerly a Capital Factory company. And you look left and you look right, and you're going to find two interesting entrepreneurs doing something that you're going to get super excited about. So um, it's a great time and a great space to be in. So you bring up Capital Factory. And of course, this episode is co-produced with the Austin Technology Council. And you picked Austin when you came here because there was such a vibrant tech community. And since this episode is co-sponsored with ATC, let's talk for a minute as we close out. What's so great for technology or just entrepreneurship in general in Austin? Why is it awesome? I think Austin is such a unique community where people are looking to collaborate over compete. And I think that's what Austin's differentiation is, where the one thing I've realized is coming in as a disconnected first-time entrepreneur, experiencing these people for the first time and incredibly objective, forming my first impressions, realizing that everyone here is excited for you and they want to help you and they want to connect you, even though they may not know you very, very well. And it's just a very collaborative community, unlike what you hear about Silicon Valley, which is very competitive and cutthroat. I feel like Austin is really none of those things. So it's a great time if you are an entrepreneur and maybe you're listening from outside of Austin, you're thinking about what is a good community for me to start a business. I would put Austin ahead of anybody as a friendly place to get started and a great place to get to know people very, very quickly and get the help ultimately that you need. And I think from an artificial intelligence standpoint, Austin will be known as the epicenter of AI especially between the two coasts. But I think we might be able to beat the two coasts mm -hmm. 10 years from now. I think this is a great place for artificial intelligence. Well, I, I do a lot of work with the technology companies in town when they do like a, a team training. I'll do facilitation or I'll be like the keynote for their users conference. And uh, I've always found that that what you said is people are very welcoming. I'm not I'm not a technologist, uh, but they don't care if I can bring something to them that makes their conference better. Uh, I had one local executive tell me I, I, I was sort of the, the opening speaker, but I stayed as sort of a pseudo MC along with the CEO uh, for their users conference. And he said to me, wow, you made my conference suck less. Uh, and so I said, there's, that should be my tagline. I make events suck less than other speakers. But, you know, he, he enjoyed working with me. We bantered on the stage and he didn't care that I didn't know his technology. He, he needed someone with more of a personality than he had to help keep his audience engaged. So I always admire that about Austin, uh, that people aren't as judgy as some other places in the country. Totally. Everyone out here is like, tell me what you do. Oh, there's someone you should totally meet. That's the mentality out here. Yeah. Awesome. Well, Steve, thank you so much for joining us here on this uh, episode. I think it's number 540 for Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do and episode 15 that have been co-produced with the Austin Technology Council. So thank you so much uh, for, for being here. If people want to find out more about you or they want to find out about Kung Fu AI, how do they do that? Just type in Kung Fu AI. You'll find us right away. Look us up. Come say hi. There you go. Thank you so much. And hey, thank you to everybody who tuned in and listened. I say it every single episode. If it wasn't for the audience, why would we have a show? Uh, thanks for tuning in. And thank you very much for people who share the the episodes. Uh, every now and then, I'll find a little spike in listenership and I'll do a little research and I'll find out that somebody's been sharing a lot of episodes on their social media feed, on LinkedIn, etc. Uh, the way that people find this show, number one way when I talk to somebody is they say somebody told me about it. So I'm going to beg, I'm going to plead, I'm going to be one of those podcasters who just who just puts it all out there and says, please go tell someone about the show. 
And we're going to be back in a couple of days with an interview with somebody just as cool as Steve Meyer. I know you're thinking, how will that ever happen? But it always does. Uh, And in the meantime, go out there, explore your entrepreneurial spirit. Make sure that your ladder is against the right wall and try some new things. And while you're at it, have a great day. Thank you for being part of the Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do podcast. Without your participation and listening to these conversations, there is no show. Connect with Tom at TomSinger.com and follow him on Twitter at at TomSinger. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.